Let's pray. Lord, you are ours. You are our God, our Savior, our Lord this morning, and it is to you we call and we ask for help. We ask that you would meet us right here in this place, Lord. We thank you so much for your presence that makes all the difference in the world. We thank you. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. We pray and say together, amen. Amen and welcome. Good morning. Good morning to all of you. Thank you so much, worship team, for guiding us. And I hope you're at home or wherever you are, you know, in the car, whatever you're doing, that you're singing along, that you're participating, because that's what this time and opportunity is about. About participating. We're still in community, participating in community. Um, and so I'm grateful for a worship team that helps us and guides us in doing just that. Um, my name is Pastor Brandon, and I'm so privileged to be uh, sharing a message with you today, and I'm so glad you're watching. I'm so glad you're here. I don't take these opportunities for granted. We don't take these moments here lightly, that we want to be able to um, encourage, encourage all of us to leave differently than the way we showed up. You know, we come with all of our, our things, our baggage, but we we come because, and this time we want to be able to leave differently. And I think that today's time is a time just for you. All right, so if you are, if you don't already, maybe you can oh, grab your phone, open up your, to your Bible app, um, or grab your Bible. We'll be um, jumping in that shortly. Um, but I want to start by saying that many of you know and are very familiar with the famous story of Abraham and Sarah in the book of Genesis. And it's in their story, though, that a critical and crucial question is asked. In fact, it's one of the earliest questions in the Bible, so I, I, I happen to think it's actually one of the most significant questions in all of Scripture. But it's a very critical question, and it's, it is going to be that question that sets the table for us this morning. All right. Do you know what that question is? That question in the story of Abraham and Sarah? That question is this. Is there anything too hard for God? <laughs> is there anything too hard for God? Some of us right now are heavy with unsolved problems many of us struggling to adopt a new normal. Most of us are begging the question, what next? Where do we go from here? But let me, let me tell you, we're in a run of faith. And this race of faith is hard. It is not easy all the time. It certainly is not. Each one of us, as we run toward Christ, are weighed down not only by sin, but by all the hard problems we encounter every single day. The problems of pain, of loss, of fear. But I want us all to take a moment. So maybe some of you are joining us, even joining us on Facebook, and some of us are watching on YouTube. But I want us to take a moment to recall the things that are weighing us down in your race that you're running toward Christ. So right now, I'm in the chat. I'm only, I'm only looking on Facebook now. I'm not, I can't do Facebook and YouTube. But right now, if you're on face, Facebook, I want you to write. I want to hear from you. You know, I, what, what is weighing you down in this season of your life and life right now? What is weighing you down? And I'm going to wait for one response. 
you know, one comment, somebody, what is weighing you down? You know, and you could be general, that's just fine. Is it uh, hurt? Is it um, resources? Is it work-related, family situations? What's been weighing you down as you've been running your race toward Christ? Huh? All right, so, come, what is, what is weighing you down? All right, those are great coming in. Let me see. Wonderful. What's weighing you down? Let, here are some things that are going on in life for you. Yes, uh, isolation, uncertainty. Isn't that, isn't that a big one, uncertainty? Not sure what to expect. And I tell you, we can talk about waiting, what it means to wait and how hard that is. That's a weight. Finances weighing us down. So many of us are being impacted, having to draw new financial pictures, have to figure out what's ahead. Grief, thank you so much for sharing that. And work, wow, wow. Yeah, we, some, we, many of us are, yeah, we experience fear. We, we, we sense fear weighing us down. These are excellent. Thank you so much for, for just dropping these in. Ah, disappointment, such a good one. Such a good one. And we're now, we're hitting some things that are even being repeated. So we're seeing a pattern. We're seeing a pattern of things that are happening. So right now, even in these few moments, with those of you who are just on Facebook alone, things like loneliness, the unknown, right, finances is a common thread. And when you see it once, that's, that's, that's important. When you see it twice, you really ought to pay attention. When you see it three times, that may be a trend. That may be something that's happening in our culture. That may be something that's happening bigger than just you, just, just me, right? And so, wow, separation, yeah. All of these things, thank you so much for sharing these. And you can continue to share those in the chat. These are all ways in which we are being weighed down in the race we ought to run. But I've come this morning to talk to you, to talk to us today from the topic of running a race already won. Running the race already won. And our text is going to be coming from Hebrews chapter 12, just two verses. Okay, we're going to read both of those two verses today. But for our moment today, we're just going to spend time in verse 1. And I'm so grateful to have the opportunity. I'll be with you next week as well. And that's where we'll be in verse 2. Okay, so verse 1 and verse 2. And also normally we usually have a handout that we send out um, in our chats and we have on our website. Today there is no handout. So you get a white blank piece of paper, a pencil or a pen, and I'll walk you through a point, okay, as we go through our text. But at the very top you can write down our title, Running a Race Already Won, coming from the Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. And keep in mind all these weights that people have shared with us this morning, these very real problems, very real things. So let's, let's uh, read the word, okay? Verse, beginning at verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
This passage is written to people who have become very weary and very disheartened because some very real problems that they're facing. So we see that from chapter 10 of Hebrews. But what I want, so we're going to, we're going to spend time in verse 1 today. Let's start off, let's jump right in with that first opening part of verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You see that? We've got to take, care of each, take notice of each of those words there. The meaning of this part is revealed in the whole previous chapter. You see, in the whole previous chapter of Hebrews 11, it's commonly referred to as the Faith Hall of Fame. You know what I'm talking about, where everyone is listed for these great victories and for the faith that they had. The people endured, and they are commended for their faithfulness. That's what the Faithful Hall of Fame is all about. People who endured and then are commended for their faithfulness. But many of the people listed in this Hall of Fame of faith experienced, hear me now, experienced failures along the way. Along the race they were racing, they experienced failures. Isn't it true about us that we can get hung up on our failures? And if we stay in the slump long enough, we can get hung up, we can get hung up on our failures to the point where we begin to identify ourselves from our failures. You know, well, I'm no good, I'm always going to be this, or, you know, I've only ever done this. Or, you know, this, this failure that I've experienced in my life, it still weighs as this heavy weight on me, and I begin to identify from this failure. Hey, the people in this faithful hall of fame know all about some failure. But you see, these individuals who experience failure along the race, and we got to get this, they didn't realize that later on they would be commended for their faithfulness. You see that? You see, the people who experienced failure in along the race, they did not know that years down the line, people like you and me, ordinary people who are looking for regular and daily encouragement, would open up to Hebrews 11 and see them there, see their name there, commended not for their failures, but commended for their faithfulness. So in this Faith Hall of Fame, we see a people who have come before us, most of them being marked by faithfulness and failure, yet in time, God commends them only for their faith, how they can stay the race. We have to remember that failure tends to paralyze us from running the race toward Christ. Maybe that's what you're experiencing right now. I've experienced that recently. As so many of you, you know, were sharing those things, uh, the weights that you're carrying. Sometimes those things can be identified as failures within us or things that we experience as a failure. And so they can paralyze us. But here's the point that we can, we can glean even from Scripture. We have to remember that failure doesn't remain failure when we learn from them. So I want you to write this down. Failure doesn't have to be final. Would you write that down? Fail in your notes, text, or whatever. Failure doesn't have to be final. Because when we learn from the ways and the, and the ways that we have failed, that failure can be transformed and redeemed right in the presence and the work of God. And it doesn't have to be our final word. 
this Faith Hall of Shame fame shows us that we will not just have a failure in life. What this shows us is that actually we will have failures. Hmm. But here's a Bible study challenge for you this week. So as you're going throughout the week, and I want to just, I want to give you this as a Bible study challenge, as a way for you to um, discover, rediscover God's word throughout the week. Um, and that's going to be there on your screen as well. This Bible study challenge is one, I want you to review the list of those in the Faith Hall of Fame. Okay, so re go ahead and read chapter 11. Review those lists of names. Then I want you to just pick two or three names. Pick two or three names from from that list, and then, and then find their story in the Old Testament, okay? So I just, you, so it could be people like, because all of these people are on that list, Abraham, Sarah, okay, Moses, Gideon, Samson, David. These are all people that are in there. So whoever you choose, just two or three, go back and find their story in the Old Testament. And then as you read it, I want you to begin to ask the Lord to help you see what learning did, um, excuse me, what learning did they do in the face of their failure? Okay, so this faithful Hall of Fame is so important, but we, we can't not sleep on the fact that there were failures in their race along the way. But you see, as we now come fast forward and come back to chapter 12, the verse 1, those opening lines where it says, therefore, there's a great cloud of witnesses. It is in this, this sort of stadium. Chapter 11, a stadium full of people. It's in this stadium that sits this great cloud of witnesses who watch each of us run our race for our generation. Right now, you're running your race for your generation. And all those people in the Hall of Fame are in the stadium watching. And we get to look back and be encouraged because they, too, experience failures in their race. So remaining then... There are two essentials in that part of the verse, okay, that we, want to, that we want to look at. And it says, let us throw off, and then it goes on to say, let us run. But with each of these essentials, they have qualifying aspects that are going to help us in our run of faith, all right? Okay, so now as we look at the next part of the verse, so we have, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we now have a context for what that means. Those cloud of witnesses experience both failure, but they're only recognized for their faithfulness. Remember that. Now it then says, let us throw off. Would you say that where you are? Throw off. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So it's at this place, actually, I want to share a story of a race I ran. I ran, a, I ran a race, I was in fifth grade, I remember so clearly, um, because it was me and my best friend, Jose, and we were running a 13-mile marathon, okay, and we had prepped for this race, we had prepared, you know, trained for this race, we were running, you know, around our elementary school, around the blocks and stuff like that, preparing for this 13-mile marathon. I mean, and this was no small thing, I mean, 13 miles was a big deal for me as a fifth grader. You know, and so it started in the San Bernardino Mountains, and it ended um, in the basin of the valley at City Hall. And so I'm prepping for the race, and I remember that morning was a brisk, cool morning. Skies were clear. I remember being at the start of my race. Jose right there next to me. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this, you know. And then, boom, the race begins. I race. I start. I run. 
our, man, I saw so much. We had such great conversations while we're running. We're talking, but we're running. And we're running some more. And then we keep on running, and we're still not there. But you know what, beloved? I'm, as I'm running the race, I ran it, and eventually I completed the race. And in fact, I happened to come in first place in my division. Yes, I beat Jose. But if you, if now, if you would hear Jose tell it, he might remember me on the very last mile of that race. It was a straight street, you know, and it was kind of just desolate, you know. It was a street I had to run down Sierra, and I was running, and my, he may remember my body getting tired and me kind of saying, Jose, I think I'm done. I don't know about this. And he may sort of remember me going to a police officer that was on the side of the road asking the police officer for a ride, and the police officer said yes, gave me a ride to the finish line, boom. I finished the race, but I finished in first place. Now, only Jose would know that because he was the only one there, okay, but I finished the race. After preparing for it, ran it, and finished it. So as we think about what it means to throw off, throw off. When, when, the, when the scripture says, let us throw off, it's an imperative. And it's something that I remember even preparing for my race. I had to throw some things off to get ready for it, even to do it. You see, it's an imperative, meaning that it's something that we got to do for this race. But notice how it says, let us. Let us throw off. You see, normally in a race, especially the race I ran, you know, you're competing with other racers. It's a competition. It's not so in the race of faith, though. You see, the verse doesn't say, let you throw off or let me throw off. It says, let us throw off. So if the race of faith is about competing with other racers, why would, why would they give the secret sauce to racing? You know, if, if it was intended for just me or just you, or we're supposed to be competing with one another, you and I struggling in this race of life, why would Hebrews give us the secret sauce about how to be successful in it? It's because it's not meant for one person. It's actually this race we're in is not a competition. It is about everybody racing. And, and, and I want you to write this point down, okay? In this race, it's not a race about place. It's a race about grace. You see, in my race that I ran, I was trying to get first place. Um, and I did. But, of course, that little thing that happened in the last mile, I understand it. Um, and... <laughs> But it's the race that we're running, running with faith and the weights that you're carrying. It's not a race about place. It's a race about grace. Some of us can't help thinking about race in terms of, about the race we're running, but in terms of about what place we're going to finish in. We become so anxious about finishing first. We become so anxious about the fact that there are other people ahead of us, other people doing things that we want to be doing, that we want to keep up with the Joneses, that we want to maintain a certain facade in our life, in our homes, in our organizations, that we don't realize we're not in a race to place. The race we are running, men and women, is a race filled with grace. And if we think or continue thinking the race we are running is about placing, we've already lost. Let me tell you something. If your 
heart is set on placing, you're not going to be ready to fully receive the grace that is ready to be given unto you. The grace that is ready to actually elevate you and level up your leadership, level up whatever it is your area you need. I need level up in parenting, level up as a husband, level up as a coworker, level up as an uh, as a employer if that's in your circumstance. But we're not going to be ready to receive what we need for the race if we're so concerned about the place. God has some major grace for us today. Are you ready to receive it? I am. I'm ready to receive that grace today because, in fact, in this race we're running, the victor has already been declared. The victor has already passed the finish line. His name is Jesus. Some people call him Jesus. Some people call him Jesus. His name is Jesus. And when Jesus finished the race, he didn't do what I did after my 13-mile race, which is what after I was done, I was like, whoo, thank you, Lord. I went, and I went to the hat and got a pastrami sandwich, and then I went home and took a nap. No, no, Jesus didn't do that after he finished the race. No, instead, Jesus looks back at all the other racers, and he says to us, Lo, I will be with you always until the end of your race, and I will remain in the race to ensure the, the last racer crosses the finish line. Whew. But then, you see, and I want you to, you may, some of you might even be tracking what happens in verse 2, because it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And then it says, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, Brandon, what does that mean? Jesus, he finished the race and then went and sat down on the right hand. We're going to get to that. So stay with me next week when we deal with verse 2, okay, where we're going to learn what it means, what actually, what sitting down means in the kingdom of God has a different meaning than what we often think. Okay, so, but that's what Jesus did for us. This race of faith is not about place. It's about grace. And if you are ready to receive all the grace God has for you today, it's just a heart shift and change of mind. It's about finishing. It's about finishing. So that is that part Jesus tells, let us throw off everything. Everything then it goes on to say, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Here, I want you to write this down for that part of the verse, okay? Write this down. Write down, we cannot run if we cannot move, right? And on the screen it says, what we, can, we cannot run what we cannot move. But I want you to say, we cannot run if we cannot move. You see, Hebrews here is intending to help us see that in order to run well our race of faith, we must throw off, right, throw off the things from our bodies that constrict our movement toward the finish line, those hindrances that make it harder to achieve the goal. We must throw off those hindrances. And notice how it says hindrances and sin, right? So there's kind of two different things. Hindrances are those things in our life that aren't evil, but they're just not helpful. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's those things, it's kind of what Paul talks about in Corinthians. Everything is um, permissible, but not everything is beneficial. You know, so hindrances are those things in my life and in your life right now that you know they're not helpful for your race of faith. They're not helping you grow. They're not helping get to where you need to be. And so those hindrances are things that can still restrict our movement. 
Okay, so these are things, these are weights that begin to come onto us. Hindrances become weights. And then it goes on to say sin. Sin then are those pieces about us that are broken and out of alignment with God's will and God's word. And sin is, a, is something that clings closely and it obstructs our way forward. Sin seeks to move us to the sidelines of the race. And you know what? If we, if we let it do it long enough, sin will, eat us, will, will lead us even to check out of the race. Ray's going to help me bring some things up here. And because I, sometimes I, we are, we have to kind of have a visual for what does it look like for us to run this race of faith with some weights. And so, because oftentimes as I look at my own life <laughs> currently, what weights am I wearing? All right, Ray, just come right here. All right, you stay right there. Stay right there. Thank you. Yep, you can get this. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And I'll need that too. You can bring that up here and shred it right on the step. You see, because sometimes, now imagine I came up to, I'm on, it's the morning of my 13-mile race, and I come to my race, you know, and I'm about to run 13 miles, me and Jose, but at the start, at the starting line, you know, you just, I, I just happen to be wearing this, you know, this overcoat. I'm just wearing this overcoat. Imagine trying to run a race in this overcoat. You see, sometimes when I was even still now, there's things that I do in my life I, where I'm not, I have unconfessed sin in my life. I'm putting on weight when I'm trying to run a race. And then even more, you know, I have some unforgiveness in my heart. So, you know, I'm picking up some more weight, but I'm about to run this race. And I want to win, and I, you know, or excuse me, I want to cross the finish line. It's not about placing, it's about finishing. But, you know, I'm not done yet because I had a poor relationship, and he didn't treat me right, she didn't talk about me well, so now I'm carrying all the burdens and the weight of what they said, of what she did, of what they happened, all happened around the corner and everything else. You know, so I got some things going on there, you know, and then I got things in my own mind, and I'm looking I'm looking, for the, I'm looking for all my answers and solutions, you know, at the end of a philosophy book or at the bottom of a bottle or, you know, I'm looking all signs. I'm picking up bit by bit hindrances. Step by step, I'm taking on the weight of sin and I'm trying to run this race. Man and woman at home, wherever you are, what weights are keeping you from running? fully, completely, and freely this morning. What weights do you have? What weights is it that you're carrying around that through time you just picked up? And then we're wondering why our, our leadership isn't going that mile or wondering why, we're wondering why some of our relationships haven't made that turn. Well, what weights are we carrying? Let me tell you something. I want you to write this down. You cannot run well in an overcoat. You, you cannot run well in an overcoat. And right now, the American church is trying to run a race in an overcoat, with an overcoat on. I don't need to remind you that our nation is still in the midst of unrest in response to racism. Our world needs the church right now to show up. 
while, while in seminary, I had to take three particularly rigorous courses in seminary. And they were all, they all had the same name. And you had to have three of them because that's how intense they were. They're all called systematic theology. And I was privileged, in fact, to take, um, to take all those courses with really a world-renowned Finnish uh, systematic theologian. Um, his name was Velimati Karkainen. And, I mean, his, these are his books here. It's part of the weights I'm carrying, you know what I'm saying? Um, but each one of these, you know, he's writing about these extremely dense things, but it's called systematic theology. And there's a category in systematic theology called hamartiology. And hamartiology is the study of sin and its remedies, okay? So one of the things that the early church fathers and desert mothers all realized about the Christian faith is that sin is systemic, which is why the class is called systematic theology and why we study sin under systematic theology, okay? And so every leading seminary in the world will have a course on systematic theology. Now, here's my point. This age-old tradition about the Christian faith demonstrates a powerful reality for us and the church this day, which is if racism is sin, which I think we can all agree on, if racism is sin and sin is systemic, then racism is systemic. One more time. If racism is sin and sin is systemic, then racism is systemic. That's this, from our mathematicians out there, that's what we call the transitive property. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. And right now, Christians ought to be leading the world's conversations, the world's actions in detangling the systemic nature of racism. As a national community of believers, the racism is our overcoat. You follow me? We got an overcoat, men and women, and we're trying to run this race. We're trying to talk to our neighbors. We're trying to talk to our coworkers about the good news of Jesus, but we got a coat on. And we don't, we don't believe racism is systemic. Racism probably don't even exist. If racism, and we all know this, is a sin, Christians, it's part of our heritage, ought to be the first people to stand up and say, you know what? Sin is systemic. Lying is systemic. Greed is systemic. Racism is systemic because it's sin. I don't need to experience it. All I have to know what racism, if I can understand that racism is sin. Our desert fathers and mothers did the rest of the work for us. So as a church, it is time for us to, what, is, what does Hebrews say? Let us what? Throw off. Throw off everything that hinders us and keeps us entangled in this race that we're running. Can I get one amen? We have a race to run, men and women, and we have to run that race. We have to run it well, and we got to get out of these coats we're so fixed in and drop all these weights that we're carrying that we picked up along the way. We have to unlearn some of the things we've been taught about ourselves so that we can be who the world needs us to be, who God is expecting us to be. Let us run is the next part. Let us run now. So everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles, we're going to throw that off. You're with me now. 
Now it says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And as I come, as we come to this close of verse 1 and our time together this morning, there's something that's in these, in these phrases in this last verse. It says, let us run. What is it? Another imperative. We already had, let us throw off. Now we have, let us run. Another something you have to do, right? You can even write that down. Let us run. That's an imperative. You have to do it. I've said already that the victor has already won the race. But we still have to run the race, though. You see, the race has already been won, but we still have to run the race. We still have to get up and move. And I was making the point even early about the coat. We cannot run if we cannot move. Some of us, we have so much weight on us, we cannot run because we're not moving. And we cannot move because of all the weight that we got on us. So how are we going to take this next imperative of Hebrews? You see, so we got to get rid of some things. We got to throw some things off because we're never going to move unless we first throw some things off. I'm going to say it one more time. We're never going to move until we throw some things off. So we still have to run the race. Let us run. We still have to get up each morning and move. We still have to participate in the race. We still have to dream dreams. We still have to run with vision. We still have to walk by faith. So however hard the problems before us may be in the moment, and I don't want to, be, I don't want to take lightly of those at all. We're going to actually spend some more time talking about that next week. I don't want to take lightly of our problems at all. But in this introductory phase, whatever problems, bring them all before your kind of conscience right now and look at them. And I want you, as you see those problems in your mind, I want you to ask that critical and crucial question of Abraham and Sarah. Is anything too hard for God? And as we are running with our problems, we breathe, we pray, and we run. Isn't that our cycle? Right now we're in the 40 days of prayer. We have to breathe each morning, each day. We pray each morning, each day, and then we run. And how do we run? We run with perseverance and patience. The only way we can get through this race is by having a patience that doesn't give up. You see, I'm always, I'm always been encouraged by this piece on how we understand patience. Because patience is not resignation. It is not saying with cynicism, well, you just have to put up with things. No, patience is the capacity to stay at the vision. It is to work at the vision at all times, every day. And even when the odds are long, you work at it, you run. Those who most closely follow Jesus know that they run uphill against long odds. We run up long hill against injustice, against callousness, against violence, but we do not quit. We run. Such patience, and only this kind of patience, is grounded in God's goodness, man and woman. And it has to therefore include some dimension of impatience. Yes, patience includes, that's good to even write down, patience includes some dimension of impatience. 
because it means we have to be ready now and ready then to say, enough already. This has to change. The mix of patience and and impatience knows that we are it and in it for the long haul. You see, and that's when you can strike that balance of knowing of what impatience and patience and how it comes together. You, You can get there when you know you're in it for the long haul. Waiting for the full coming of God's rule, but waiting with active expectation. That's how we run with perseverance and patience. You got that? So we're going to run. We got let us run with perseverance and patience. And now as we, can, as we close, we're running this race that is marked for us. See, right now, every last one of us is in a race. But, but, are you in the race this morning that's been marked out for you? Are you in the race that has been by discernment and guidance of others and community of those who love you and he can speak into your life, have shown you the race? Have you joined the race you need to be in? There are also so many of us in the race of faith right now. Some of us right now, we don't know what race we're in. Or some of us right now, we've been in the race, that mouse race for so long. You know, we're ready for something different. And some of us are in that race of faith, but even to those of us who are in the race of faith and we're running, we can easily sometimes be running the wrong leg of the relay. This week I watched um, Usain Bolt's documentary on Netflix. I encourage you, it's it's a great documentary about him. And from it I learned it, that in relay racing, which is racing as a team, we must position ourselves at the right place on the relay so that we can be ready to receive or pass on the baton at the right moment. This is all a part of racing and knowing how to position where we are. Are you where you need to be in your race? And for all of us right now, we're feeling like these weights are making us behind in our race or we're feeling like just hurt in our race. I want to show you a clip because even in the context of this Hebrews chapter 12, it's actually in the context of the Olympic Games. Yes, they had the Olympic Games back then in Hebrews 12. And I want to show you a clip from a modern day Olympic Games. From, it's from 92, but it's from the Olympic Games. When like you, like many of you watching right now, you started your race. You were running your race. And then something happened that hurt. Something, a failure happened in the course of your race. You were hit down, knocked down, lied to, lied on, swindled, robbed. Something happened. And you didn't know what to do. Do you keep going? What's next? How do I stay in the race? And watch as the father comes and rescues his child. Give it a look.
you see what happened there? He was in a race. He got hurt. He even fell down. And you could tell there was something in him that he, he was embarrassed to finish. He was embarrassed about what it means to do next. But out of from the sidelines, who was always watching, who was always there, who always had his best interests in heart, his dad comes, holds him up. And what does his dad do? His dad doesn't say, son, let's call it quits. His dad walks him the rest of the way because it's not about place. It's about, say it with me, grace. And he finished that race that day. And right now, every race comes with its own set of obstacles and problems. Next week, we're going to talk about how to handle the hard obstacles in the race. So be with me next week. It's going to be a good time. But today, I want you to step into the race of faith. Jesus desires to mark your race with grace, with strength, with provision. God wants to help you get to the finish line. And if you are in need of the Lord's help today, and if that's you who, you, you, you made a decision, you want to join the race today. You want to join the race of faith today. Reach out to us. With that information right there on the screen, there would be a pastor there to reach out to you if you made that decision to join the race of faith. Or perhaps you've already been on this race for a long time of faith, but you, like that athlete, struggled and you stumbled. And you're, you're ready, though, to let go of some weights. You're ready to cast off and throw off some things and keep running. Would you let us know? I'd love to pray with you. For all of us right here, right now, <laughs> we can throw off everything that entangles us and we can run the race that we have in front of us and watch God get us across the finish line. And if that's you today, you're ready to receive that, you could just briefly pray with me and you could say, Lord, I receive the love you're singing over my life right now. Father, this race hasn't been easy. These days haven't been the easiest. But God, today I make a declaration to not be concerned about place, but I want to receive all the grace you have for me that I may not just finish, but that I might finish well. Finish with your grace. Finish with you upholding me, Jesus. And we can only do that if you walk with us and show us the way to go. So guide us. Help us cleanse our hearts. Would you forgive us of all the things that we've done, Lord God, that have not been in your will and your word, that we can have a clean slate today to run afresh, to run lighter. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. And I want to bless you with saying this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll see you next week. We're talking about hard problems. <laughs>